This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, Dawn, this is David Moss, the Fisheries Project Manager with the Nature Conservancy, and you're listening to Impact Outdoors Podcast. So one of the, the biggest issues, if not the issue, uh, with snapper and grouper right now or what they call dead discards. So, um, you know, you'll go out fishing or I'll go out fishing and we do everything right according to the law. You know, we don't keep a red snapper out of season. We won't keep a gag grouper if it's too short, things like that. And we release it. But uh, these bottom fish suffer from something called barotrauma, which is fairly similar to the bends in a scuba diver. When Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Impact Outdoors Podcast. In this week's show, we're joined by David Moss, who is the fisheries project manager for the Nature Conservancy down in South Florida. And uh, have a great conversation with David about a, a big program that he's working on called the Deck to Depth Program and, and really trying to get the information out to anglers about the importance of releasing fish, specifically snapper and grouper species, back to the depth at which they were harvested, um, which will help allow them to survive and, and, and stuff. And, uh, you know, if you fish offshore any, you've definitely probably witnessed um, pulling up fish from down deep and, and seeing the issues with barotrauma and stuff where, where uh, they just don't look right and have a hard problem, you know, making it back down to the bottom where they came from and and so um, they're doing a lot of great outreach over there um, talking about descending devices and ways that you can help um, increase survival and uh, help um, keep these species and their stocks at uh, at good levels for us to continue fishing and, and catch them so um, a lot of good information in this one uh, excited to have David on the show this week and hope you enjoy it all right so here we go with David Moss. All right, well, we're back here with another episode of Impact Outdoors Podcast and uh, excited to have David Moss from over in Florida on. Um, David, you work for the Nature Conservancy, correct? Yes, sir. I've been with the Nature Conservancy for uh, just over two years now. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm excited to have you on today. Um, we had uh, our mutual friend Turner Rowland introduce us, and uh, I guess y'all met each other over at ICAST this summer, is that right? Or Yeah, 
That is correct. We were yeah. uh, we, we had a booth over in the conservation corner uh, where we were working our descending device outreach and mm-hmm. stopped by and spent some time with Turner. Really good guy. Awesome. Well, good good deal. And and uh, I know we're going to talk about kind of a, a hot topic issue this this episode. You know, dealing with anything dealing with snapper and grouper is is high on the priority list for for offshore fishermen these days. And um, you know, there's a lot of things that I think that um, people can do just themselves, which, um, I know you're going to explain about that, but, um, um, it's a big issue. And, and why don't you tell us a little bit about, I guess, kind of start out kind of what the nature conservancy is and then kind of your role within the program and then what you guys are doing right now working on. Sure. So the nature conservancy, we're, we're a fairly large organization. We're in, uh, just over 70 countries worldwide. We're in, uh, just about every state in the union, uh, including Puerto Rico and the Caribbean. Um, and we're a science-based conservation organization. Um, and, and really what we try to do is engage people in conservation. You know, we, we try not to, to just eliminate people from, from conservation stories and, and um, you know, close down areas and things like that. But we want to engage the public uh, to try to be good stewards of the environment, particularly with fisheries. Um, so as we said before, I'm, I'm based out of South Florida and, and what we're working on down here is what we call our descending device outreach project. We call it deck to depth where, um, it's really focused on the snapper grouper fishery. As you said, you know, it's a, it's a hot button issue, certainly in the Gulf and, and mm-hmm. over here on the Atlantic as well. Um, you know, and we're really just trying to engage with anglers to get them more aware of some of the things that we can do to help our fishery so that we can continue to get out on the water, um, you know, and, and not have all these closed down seasons that we always have. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think it's hard. A lot of people don't understand how important um, data from the public is. And, 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 and then also your, your independent sampling, you know, like what we do over here with parks and wildlife and stuff, but um, it's a really good deal that y'all are working with the public trying to educate on, on this issue and stuff. So what are, what are some of the issues involved with what you're working on? Like, what are some of the causes for, for, um, for snapper and grouper issues currently? Sure. So one of the, the biggest issues, if not the issue uh, with snapper and grouper right now are what they call dead discards. So, um, you know, you'll go out fishing or I'll go out fishing and we do everything right according to the law. You know, we don't keep a red snapper out of season. We won't keep a gag grouper if it's too short, things like that. And we release it, but uh, these bottom fish suffer from something called barotrauma, which is fairly similar to the bends in a scuba diver. When when a fish is brought up from the bottom, the gases in the fish's swim bladder expand to a point where the fish can't basically recompress itself, and it causes all this jostulation of the different organs in the body. You can often people have seen pictures. I'm sure of the fish's stomach sticking out of its mouth. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that that's a swim bladder. That's actually its stomach that has been forced out of its mouth because the swim bladder has expanded so much. Um, and so when you do that, of course, the fish can't recompress and and regulate itself. Basically it doesn't go down. So it's kind of not helping anybody. So even though we did everything right, according to the letter of the law, um, it really doesn't help the population any, because the fish is going to end up dying anyway, either just floating away on the surface or, you know, it becomes rife for predation with sharks and birds and, you know, amberjacks and everything else that, that swims out there. Yeah. Um, so what we're trying to do is there's, there are devices called descending devices 
Um, there's a bunch of different varieties, different styles that you can get commercially. Uh, you can even make your own. And what it does is it actually will bring the fish back down to depth. And there's some really cool video floating out there if you just YouTube descending devices. Um, and you can actually see the fish recompress. You can see the stomach shrink back down. You can see the eyes like pop back into its head. Um, you know, as it gets further down, you'll, you'll see the fish start swimming on its own. And then once it hits the bottom and these devices release that fish, it swims away to ideally number one, be caught another day, but certainly to spawn and, and create more fish just like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think for most people, you know, not putting a bad light on party boats or anything like that, but you know, I've been on a lot of those trips myself and, and you always see, you know, firsthand issues with snapper going back in the water, just drifting off behind the boat, you know, and when oh, you yeah. get a hundred people fishing, I mean, it can become a real big issue really fast and, and be devastating for some of these populations. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you said, you know, I'm guilty of it too, because first and foremost, I'm, I'm a fisherman. That's, that's how I got into this racket. I just right. love the fish. Um, and yeah, particularly when you're on a hot bottom bite, you know, that what, what you don't want to do is stop fishing. Everybody wants to get that next bait back in the water and, and mm -hmm. you know, get, get the next nice gag or red grouper or red snapper or whatever. Um, but, you know, it's really important on all of us to, to think about the impact that we have when we're out on the water um, and what we can do. Uh, even with the party boats, you know, there's, there's ways, what, what I've seen people do with party boats is they'll actually take a uh, like an old-fashioned milk crate, you know, like a plastic milk crate, mm -hmm. and put heavy weights on the what would be the top of the milk crate. Put three, four, five fish in there, depending upon what you're catching, and you know, attach a long rope to it, and then uh, drop it in the water. You know, throw it upside down, and then it pushes the fish back down. And once it gets back down to the bottom, they're recompressed, and you bring the milk crate back up. Yeah. 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 We did something similar to that when we were doing some vertical long line sampling over here off Galveston for snapper and, uh, and that worked really well. I mean, it, it, it did. So, um, that's a, that's a definitely a good, a good, um, thing to try to do on those trips. And, uh, you know, you hear a lot about, um, descending devices nowadays and, and before it was the venting tools and stuff. So mm -hmm. how effective, um, are the, are the venting tools? I mean, I know, probably now we're advocating more just for the descending device usage, but just because I think a lot with the vending tools probably is like miseducation on where to actually use them on the fish. Yeah. So vending tools provide a couple of different issues. Number one, as you just said, you know, it's where exactly to do it. Some people poke the stomach itself, you know, it's very easy to stick it in the wrong spot. Um, and what can happen actually with some of the bigger fish is you actually don't give it enough time to let all of the gas dissipate. Mm. And so what they've seen with a lot of these vented fish um, is that they'll do what's called stalling. So they'll go back down, you know, maybe 20, 30 feet, kind of basically just out of eye shot. Yeah. And then they can't push through like that next atmosphere. And then, you know, a, a dolphin will come and eat it or a shark or something like that will come and eat it. Um, and then of course, there's just not that there's not enough dangers on a boat with knives and hooks and everything, but, you know, having a basically a huge hypodermic needle floating around isn't always the safest thing. Um, and then you're also, you know, not to mention the fact that it's, it's another hole in a fish's body that, that could leave it open for infection and, and disease and things. Um, so they're, they, they're finding more and more that the success rate of descending devices versus venting, it's, it's really doesn't even equate. It's, it's so much more effective to use a descending device than venting. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you can't do anything, vent the fish and, and at least give it a fighting chance. But but preferred method is descending device. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree with that. So um, as most people, you know, we had some that we were handing out at work for a while and, and people were just like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I'm always trying to, you know, trying to tell them where to place that needle in and stuff and, and to vent those fish. But I think more often than not, they're probably just doing more damage than good. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, so, so what are, um, so the, the deck to depth program, what are all the different mm -hmm. aspects of this program y'all have got going on right now, as far as like, I know there's a lot of, you know, angler involvement with this, but kind of tell us how that program's set up and how it's working. Sure. So really what we're trying to do is just what we call partner with influencers. So people such as yourself and the impact outdoors podcast and, and help really anglers spread the word. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're not blind to the fact that we are at part a conservation organization. So, you know, we know our message is only going to go so far, but when you have actual people and honestly, like myself, that was on the water before I, I joined the nature conservancy, spreading this message and saying, Hey, this is really something that we can do to help the fishery. Um, you know, it, it can be a way more effective message. And I like to use the example, um, of the, the sailfish fishery over here in South Florida. Um, you know, years ago when I was a kid, everybody, if you caught a sailfish, you know, you had to bring it back to the dock, and put it on the pinup board. Nobody did anything with them. You didn't really eat them. Yeah. But through outreach from angling groups like the West Palm Beach Fishing Club and, and different magazines and influential people of the time. Now, um, <coughs> excuse me. Now nobody brings the sailfish back. You know, it's mm -hmm. all about release flags and, and proper release techniques and things like that. So that's really what we're trying to do is engage with anglers to influence other anglers. Yeah. Are y'all, um, are y'all doing like voluntary surveys or, or, um, I know looking at some of the info online, you know, it looked like y'all were trying to get some, some data as far as like harvest and, and things like that to, to do that. Is that, is that still going on or. We did some of that in the beginning. Um, and really what that was, it was kind of twofold. So it was to get some data about who's actually out there fishing because mm -hmm. it, it's still kind of not the best data that's out there. And then also to really better understand how people reacted um, to different information outlets, you know, where were you getting your information as an angler? Yeah. Um, which is what's helped direct our, our, our strategy, if you will, with this, um, you know, again, we, we really found out that, and it's kind of one of those duh moments, but, you know, fishermen listen to other fishermen, anglers mm -hmm. listen to other anglers. That's just the way it works. You know, you talk to your buddies, you, you, you go online, you, things like that. That's, that's where we get our information from. Yeah. Yep. For sure. So, um, so what, you know, Florida is a lot different than Texas. I mean, we have a lot of the same species, but it seems just like the grouper populations over there just way bigger than what we have over here um you know and i don't know if that's just due to habitat you know coral reefs and, and things like that um but you know i fished in florida several times and, and we actually went targeting gag grouper in tampa bay this summer right before i cast and uh um so that was a really cool experience you know um are those fish in the bay still you know, susceptible to some of this barrel trauma issues or is it mostly the offshore species you know the offshore side of things so it's mostly offshore um but and and it's funny because each species is a little bit more affected than others you know like there are some fish that that 
just don't get affected very much at all. And there's some fish that are really susceptible, like red snapper is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Gag grouper is actually one of them. So barotrauma can happen in as shallow as what one atmosphere, which is 30 feet. Um, typically, you're going to see it in the, you know, starting in the like 80 to 90 foot range, maybe 70 foot range. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to answer your question, the further offshore you get, the more issues you're going to have. It absolutely can happen. In fact, over near you, um, they've I've heard quite a few stories of some of the redfish and in, in the uh, the inlets over there that. Yep have suffered from it and people are actually using the sending devices to release redfish over there. Those big yep. bull reds that you guys get. Yep. Yeah. We had one do it on us uh, a few weeks ago on a trip and uh, we finally got it. I didn't, ha- I, I do not have a descending device on my bay boat. So I need to, I need to get one for that reason specifically, but we finally got it um, back where it, it seemed like it was good and, and swam off strong. But um, yeah, that's definitely an issue. You'll see those fish floating around out at the jetties and stuff. And there's a lot of people fishing, the big redfish and the big black drum at times. And, and, um, you know, a dolphin's going to come swim along eventually and, or a bull shark or something. And, and exactly. And in that fish. So that's not what we want to see. So, well, well, that's cool. So, um, what, as far as like species, um, can you talk about a little bit about some of the other issues going on over there? Like, I know, I mean, do y'all have any, any input on like um, the controversies with the Goliath grouper and kind of the situation there? Cause I know there's a lot going on in Florida, you know, looking at the lottery system or whatever they've come up with, with FWC as far as harvest and trying to get somewhat of a handle on these fish that have kind of taken over a lot of these wrecks and inshore reefs. Yeah, we, we don't um, really have a huge opinion on this. And for, for a few reasons, number one, and the main reason really is, as again, as a science-based organization, this is kind of, with, with the Goliaths anyway, it's a little bit of a, a, a slippery slope um, mm-hmm. because the science and the data right now isn't necessarily saying that they're as populated as everybody believes that they are. Mm-hmm. But the anglers that are out there or painting a different picture. Um, and you know, it's kind of, it's almost, it's a real tricky situation with that. Um, (laughs) because you know, one of the difficulties is because it's been closed for so long, that's one of the reasons that the data probably isn't as accurate as it is because, you know, up, up until fairly recently, there haven't been many people that have really even targeted them. You know, they're, Mm -hmm. they're kind of a nuisance fish. It's only, you know, within the last few years where a lot of these people like to kind of go monster hunting and, and catch those big four and 500 pound fish. I mean, of course they release them, but yeah. So the data and the science on them is not the best. Um, but what we do have says that they're not nearly where they should be. But again, if you ask a lot of anglers, they, they paint a different picture. So it's a really sticky situation. And, and all that we ask really is that we, we just want better science and data f- um, for right. that species. Yep. Yep. And you know, that's one thing is like, I've been over here almost 20 years and, um, you know, you hear, you see pictures from back in the forties and fifties and, and, and hear stories from people about how common the glass were over here off the Texas coast and in the, in the bays and stuff around the jetty systems. And, and right. I don't know anybody that's seen one since I've been here, you know, and, uh, I know a lot of people that are offshore a lot doing a lot of diving and, and stuff. I think our artificial reef team had spotted one, 
back in the early 2000s off one of the wrecks that we had put out um, near Galveston. Um, but you never hear anybody about seeing them. And then you look on YouTube or Facebook or whatever, and it seems like they're everywhere over there. So, yeah, it's, you know, again, it, it's easy to paint that picture. And I'm not going to say that they, they haven't rebounded and, and are doing a lot better than they were certainly, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but it's, again, you know, pointing to the science and the data, which is what we, we need to manage by. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's not quite as rebuilt as we would like to think it is. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it could also very well be that a lot of these fish have just gotten so used to the free meals that they know that they can get. Um, oh, so yeah. they you know, just kind of becoming more brazen and aggressive and, mm-hmm. and they know, you know, well, what are you going to do? I know you're not going to keep me. Mm-hmm. So what well, did, I did have a question on, so like on, um, can you kind of go over kind of some of the differences um, as far as like, you know, the Atlantic side, especially the Atlantic stock of red American red snapper versus the Gulf side, you know, the, the stock we have in the Gulf and how they are separated for management purposes, but is there any real differences in those as far as like you know, about genetic makeup or anything? It's the exact same fish, um, just different management tactics. Or the, I guess I've never really heard if the if the populations were doing about the same on both sides of Florida, or if one's doing better than the other. The popu- and that's another one where the science is is not the best, and part of the reason that the science isn't the best is because it's been closed for so long. Yeah. So species wise, it's the same species; they're just two different stocks. Um, as you said, it's it's the Florida stock or the uh, Gulf stock, and then the Atlantic stock. Um, and in Florida, it, it's in a much more concentrated area than it is in the Gulf or I should say mm-hmm. on the South Atlantic. So you really find them kind of, you know, about central Florida North for us. So there, it's not mm-hmm. really a fish that you find much in South Florida. Um, and then, you know, once you get down into the lower keys, you'll see them more and more, but, um, that's another one that's very tricky because the science and the data right now doesn't say that the stock is nearly as rebuilt as we like to think that it is Yeah, as fishermen. So it's kind of almost similar situation to what's going on in the Gulf, believe it or not. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a, a big issue over here. So our, our season for snapper closes um, Friday of this week's the last day. Um, here in texas so for recreational they've already shut down the charter for higher season and um and stuff so um people have got a couple more days this week to get out and catch some snapper so but well that's cool so are there um and what are some of the other things that you've got to work on since you've been at the nature conservancy or has it been primarily this deck to depth program or is there other other projects that you're working on actively so for me myself the deck to depth program is really kind of the that's been the starter for us here Mm -hmm. um and then one of the other things and you've heard me mention it a couple times almost accidentally is is to really work on getting some better data and science throughout really all the fisheries but concentrating heavily on the snapper and grouper fishery um for quite a few reasons not the least of which being that it's it's the collection of species that is most consistently undergoing overfishing and we're, you know, constantly seeing issues with the snapper and grouper fishery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, whether it's amberjack, whether it's red grouper, red snapper, 
gag grouper, blacks, um, red, uh, yeah, all of them. I can go on and on. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really comes down to a science and data issue. You know, we, we, there are some definite data gaps that we want to try to close the loop on. Um, and, and again, engaging the recreational community, you know, we can be the best stewards of the resource that we all love. And that's, that's kind of the secondary issue. Yeah. Yep. So, well, um, what, what's kind of, I do want to ask you a little bit. So what's, I know you said you're a fisherman and, and kind of came from, from that side of things before you got on with the TNC, but, um, what's kind of your background? Are, are you from Florida originally or? I am. I'm, I'm one of the few. I was actually born in Port St. Lucie, Florida, back when there was like three people there and my family was <laughs> one of them. Um, and yeah, I've just always loved the water. Um, ever since, you know, really before I could walk, um, I, I tell the story all the time, but when we lived in Port St. Lucie, we lived right across from the beach and my mom would watch me just crawl into the water, get washed on shore and then crawl <laughs> back in. Um, which I joke around probably doesn't speak much for my mom, but I, I think I turned out okay. Um, and yeah, you just couldn't keep me away from, from the water. I've just always loved to fish. Um, before I was with TNC, I'm actually also on the snapper grouper advisory panel for the South Atlantic council. Uh, nice. been in that role for, for just over six years now. Um, and that was really just a labor of love that, you know, again, as an angler, I just would see issues in the fishery and I wanted to try to help. So I, mm-hmm. I joined up and, and tried to get in with that. And, um, you know, I've been fishing, uh, I'll fish anywhere from the Keys all the way up to Jacksonville and everywhere in between freshwater, saltwater. I tell everybody I'll fish in a mud puddle. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I think me too. So <laughs> I wish I, I wish I could fish more these days, but, um, taking people <laughs> fishing is good enough for right now. So <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's almost the second best thing, right? Yeah, yeah, man. It, it is a lot of fun being being a being a guide and, and just getting to give people that experience that a lot of people have never had it, you know, they're down for vacation or whatever. And yeah. and uh, most people, you know, they just wanna they just wanna catch something, you know, whether it's a shark Absolutely. or redfish or whatever. But um it's really cool to see them light up and, and uh, I had a I had a, a pretty cool trip uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a dad and his son booked a couple of days with me and and all they wanted to catch was a bull red. And um, so we spent the first day fighting the weather and couldn't really get out. And then the <laughs> next day we got out and uh, finally marked some fish and got on a really good bite for about an hour. And they caught about as many as they can handle. Nice. <laughs> and that just made their whole year. <laughs> so Yeah, that's, was... that's actually one of the trips I really want to do is, is over in your neck of the woods and get some of those really monster bull reds that you guys have, especially on top water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, here and like, and over in Louisiana, man, it, it's 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 oh, yeah. pretty insane this time of year. So, um, we're uh, we're it's my favorite time of year to fish anyway. So, just catching catching those big bulls and uh, watching them eat, and you know we're fishing for them in deeper water, thirty to forty foot of water, and then up shallows right. too. You know, up in the marsh and stuff. So, but I've got I've got promises from buddies though that want to take me and go fly fishing <laughs> over in louisiana so i definitely want to get on that sometime and chase these oh, things in 10 inches yeah. of water so oh. that'll be incredible so just the the grouper fishing we did in the bay over there in tampa this year was just so much different than it's here crazy, i mean we got to go cause... 50 to 80 miles offshore to, to go after gag usually over here so yeah 
and and it's funny in Tampa. I mean, they have those rock piles in the bay and stuff that they'll catch them on. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you had a chance when what time of year you did it, but what they'll do over there sometimes too is they'll actually troll these big uh, lipped plugs. You know, basically mm-hmm. big huge bass plugs um, over these shallow rock piles and and hook them. And it's 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 crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were mostly live baiting on the rocks and stuff, and um, um, was kind of surprised the guy we was fishing with because I actually caught a red grouper on the Skyway Bridge, which he's like, "Well, you don't see a lot of those in the bay." Um, yeah, those caught, are more usually few, more offshore. Yeah, we caught a few few gags and stuff. So it was it was cool. This is a successful trip for sure. So, but um, so what are um, what all is in in season right now? I know y'all. It seems like mahi are always around for the most part over there at some point you know during the year and and um there's a lot of that going on over here right now mm-hmm. um but you know y'all have like the the mutton snapper or, or i guess they're oh yeah really prevalent down there in south florida you yeah know, we, it's funny i go ahead no it's like we you know that's one we just never see over here you know we don't really have mutton snapper every once in a while we'll have a few yellowtails that get caught um out of galveston the freeport area but you know, I don't think I've ever seen a mutton brought in over here. No. Yeah. So we get them. It's funny because it's almost like the mutton substitutes for the red snapper down mm. here. Once you get to, like I said, about central Florida around mm-hmm. the, you know, Cape Canaveral, maybe a little bit south of there. Um, one of my favorite fish to target, they can, they can be really finicky. Um, and then, you know, once you think you have them figured out, somebody will catch them on like the most obscure thing that you ever <laughs> thought and, yeah, just once once you think, you know, muttons, usually you got to be really stealthy, you know, long leader and hide your bait and as natural looking as possible. And then once you think you got them figured out, like I was saying, the, the guy on the party boat, you know, two two seats up for me catches one on a gotcha plug with a wire leader. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we love to catch muttons down here. And that's another one that, that, you know, you typically go to deeper water for those in the wintertime. They can come in shallower, but you typically go to deeper water, 150 feet. And, uh, yeah, so typically you get muttons a little bit deeper in the wintertime, you can catch them shallower on the patches and stuff, but usually, you know, you target them in well over a hundred feet. So, well, that's cool, man. I really want to catch a mutton. That's definitely on my, uh, my target list of species over in Florida. So maybe, maybe next year I'll, I'll be able to get down to South Florida and, and go catching one of those. So yeah, I had the, the Gale Force twins on, um, they were over here in Texas at an event I put on for the podcast this year. And I know they catch a lot of mutton snapper down there on some of their videos and stuff. And, and um, I think they were actually headed out on a trip on the Yankee caps or I think that's Mm -hmm. the the boat they were going out on this week. So I'm sure they'll have some cool footage of that trip coming up. So, well, man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited about what you're doing. I, I know, you know, we're aware of it over here on this side of the Gulf, but there's uh-huh. not a lot of outreach for it as far as what descending devices are and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and maybe we can talk later about how we can maybe help improve that over here. So, um, but where can people find out, you know, as far as what y'all are doing with this program and stuff and, and just more information about the nature conservancy, where can people go to find out more about you guys? Sure. So our website is really going to be your best source right now. It's um, and if you go to nature.org slash Florida fisheries, okay. and that'll give you, you know, the whole rundown of, of this project in particular and the program that we're doing. Um, 
with descending device outreach and and kind of where we want to where we want to go with fisheries conservation um you know and, and again it really comes to partnering with anglers with with the angling community and mm -hmm. and helping to understand what's going out on the water going on out on the water um you know we we think we we see different things and then you talk to anglers and, and they'll tell you sometimes a different story of what they see and one of the things that I've learned over the years is you listen to the people that are out on the water, you know, that, that mm -hmm. see it every day. Yep. Yep. For sure. So definitely understand that side of that viewpoint. So, um, well, that's cool, man. Well, I know, um, when we get this out, you had sent me some great links with some videos for, for showing how the descending devices work and, and stuff. And I'm going to tag all that in the show notes for everybody to check out. And, um, but man, I really appreciate, um, getting to connect with you and, and talk about this and, and what you guys are doing at the nature conservancy over there in Florida. And, um, maybe we can, uh, plan to get out and go fishing together sometime when we get over there. So, yeah, absolutely. I was actually going to say, we should, uh, we should do a trip trade, you know, I'll come yeah. up there and you can put me on some reds and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put you on some muttons and yellowtails down here. It's done. Done deal. <laughs> <laughs> tell me when you want to come so that's yeah i always tell you don't ask me twice man. yeah right so i'll ask forgiveness for my wife for my wife later so <laughs> but but well cool david well um well yeah man well i appreciate it and um it's been a really good time talking with you about this and i actually learned a lot from it too so even being in this industry so um i know people are going to get a lot from this show and hopefully reach out to you and get some more information from you um, what's going on in the future. So is there any, um, as far as like social media and stuff, people can follow you guys on? Uh, yeah. So we have, a, we have Twitter, we have uh, Instagram. We, we don't have it directly for our fisheries program. It's right. really just, you know, nature.org. And then, and then there's a, a Florida one as well. Um, but you know there again is when we try to utilize people such as yourself you know that that we know that anglers are going to go to looking for fishing information you know yep. um we'll we'll put it out we certainly you know we would love to kind of cross pollinate and host um you know the impact outdoor stuff on there um but again we we know that anglers aren't necessarily coming to us for information you know we'd love to get the word out there mm -hmm. in an effective manner so right awesome well, that's cool, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time today, and uh, um, hopefully you're enjoying one of those uh, sunny South Florida days, and it's not too terribly hot over there. So. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a time of year where we don't enjoy it a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, pretty muggy over here right now. We're just uh, praying that the 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 Atlantic stays calm enough to get us through the end of hurricane season That's, and, yeah. and uh, not have to deal with anything this year. Cause I know we need a, we need a year off everybody. So That's in, it was funny. My father-in-law actually just said something about it the other day. He said, you know, it's been pretty quiet before he could even finish the sentence. I said, no, 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 stop. Yep, stop. Yep. That's it. <laughs> Don't jinx it. So <laughs> well, cool, man. All right. Well, I appreciate it, David. Absolutely. Derek. I really appreciate the time here.